Today, OpenAI announced that they are launching their new GPT-4. This is probably one of the most highly anticipated uh, pieces of technology in tech. So we're going to break down exactly what that means, how it works, and what it can do better than the original ChatGPT. So just as a quick little refresher, when ChatGPT launched, originally it was on GPT-3. Um, they did a slight update to do GPT 3.5, some slight updates, and now they have officially launched GPT 4. So in order to use it, um, you have to be a paying premium user of ChatGPT, and then you can opt into it. And uh, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of cool new features. But you know, um, I would say for anyone that thinks this is going to be like the next thing, and AI and robots are going to take over everything, as I've been saying for a while on the podcast. Uh, you know, probably a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, Sam Altman, CEO of OpenAI, came out and said, you know, for people that think this is the case with GPT-4, they're just getting their hopes up, uh, and it's not as maybe crazy as some might think. So as far as the breakdown really quickly of exactly what is different with this, number one, it has a lot better reasoning capabilities. Um, number two, it can take images as inputs. So you can feed it an image and say, based off this image, blah, 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 blah. So like mixing an image and text. Um, and the third thing it can do is that they increased the text it can generate and receive. And I'll explain what the difference is on that from 3000 words to 25,000 words. So it could technically generate a 25,000 word article off of a single prompt or piece of content, essentially, right? If, if you prompted it the right way and did what you needed. So what's interesting about the um, word increase there is specifically for companies and software that are built on top of ChatGPT, um, the way it works is because there's so much computational power, the prompt that you give it and the text it outputs are combined together. So if you had, you know, a really sophisticated, for example, I have like a sophisticated life coach. Um, and the way it works is we have like a full page prompt we've written instructing it how to be a life coach um, and how that whole thing works. And so if you combine all the text there, whatever the output it gives you can only be previously 3000 words with what you gave it plus what it, what it output. So now that they've increased this, this gives the opportunity not just for it to create longer content, but for you to be able to input much, much um, bigger prompts, much more complex prompts. And the fact that it can understand, right, like 25,000 words, you could probably put like a massive chunk of a book in here and have it write a summary versus just like a single page or article. You know, you could get like whole chapter summaries on stuff. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens just alone with the increase in text that they've kind of uh, bumped it up to. Another thing they say is that it's uh, much more safe. Um, I think ChatGPT in their kind of like documentation on this said that... Uh, if you, you know, it's like 82% less likely to respond to requests for what they call disallowed content, um, which to be honest, pretty much just means they had more people manually go and put manual safeguards, which has been criticized a lot, right? It's a lot of it is politically motivated or essentially, you know, biased towards whatever they deem is socially acceptable or uh, whatever is okay content. So, I mean, you know, that is taken with a grain of salt. A handful of people I've talked to are not thrilled by just the more, um, you know, like uh, people, pretty much a lot of people are not excited when you say like, oh, I made my thing more safe. It's like safe from who? Like, you know, if you're an adult, you, you can just handle what you get out of it. So anyways, that's with a grain of salt. And maybe some people like to be kind of babied in that way in the content they see or whatnot. And, you know, definitely for, for children and for kids using it, that might be useful for adults. 
you know, some adults just want to be treated like adults, but I know that's not for everyone. In any case, uh, <laughs> off of my spiel on that. Um, one other thing ChatGPT did is, <laughs> this is kind of a funny thing they threw out there on their kind of like launch notes, is that ChatGPT took the bar exam and it was in the 10th percentile. So this is just like the OG ChatGPT. And with this new GPT-4, um, it took the bar exam and it was in the 90th percentile. So obviously this is kind of like reasoning capabilities that they're putting out there have actually made some big impacts um, with like academic stuff, which I think is important because um, they're really trying to push this thing into kind of a, a tool for educators and education. Um, overall, I would say I'm pretty glad to see that they're they're kind of pushing for this rapid incremental change, right? Like it wasn't that long ago we had uh, GPT-3, GPT-3.5, like they're iterating very fast and making a lot of updates. So I think this is a really solid update at a very fast pace. I really can't complain. But like that being said, this isn't the apocalypse. This thing isn't, you know, you know, uh, super genius. It is interesting though. A couple companies they've been integrating with. Number one, Duolingo. Um, they have it to kind of, I guess they say to deepen the conversation on Duolingo, really to kind of create a chatbot that helps you when you're learning different languages or whatnot. Um, the other thing is they're working with a company called Be My Eyes. And essentially it's for blind people to take a picture of something. And then there's a bunch of volunteers that can go and help, uh, you know, learn or help tell people what exactly the, the blind person took a picture of and uh, make sure that, you know, they're buying the right thing or making the right choice or whatever. So it's a really awesome kind of, I think it's, I think it's a nonprofit um, organization. In any case, uh, they're working with them because now that you can do the image inputs, uh, they're helping those people to know exactly what they're seeing, right? So you may not actually need volunteers to tell you exactly what you're taking a picture of because now OpenAI ChatGPT could help uh, people with visual, uh, you know, and vision disabilities to see better. So that's kind of interesting. Another area is Stripe. Stripe is leveraging the GPT-4 to pretty much streamline user experience and to combat fraud. Um, so that is uh, obviously a very powerful use case. We'll dive more into exactly what that means. Morgan Stanley, the bank, you know, they're using uh, wealth management tools and they deployed GPT-4 to organize a lot of their knowledge base. Um, so that's very interesting. Khan Academy, right? Like I was talking about, they're, they're kind of pushing into education. Khan Academy integrates GPT-4 um, as every student's customized tutor, right? So now that this thing can, if you think about it, it's kind of interesting because they have a handful of companies that they obviously gave GPT-4 to ahead of time. Um, obviously well-selected, right? Like we're talking a bank or Stripe or also the government of Iceland to help preserve its language, Khan Academy, which is a nonprofit education company, Be My Eyes, a nonprofit for uh, people with disabilities, Duolingo for learning a new language, right? I feel like they've really specifically chosen a like companies that kind of have goodwill, maybe less Stripe and Morgan Stanley, but like Khan Academy, uh, preserving the Icelandic language, you know, learning new language, Duolingo, Be My Eyes, nonprofit, right? So I feel like they've really intentionally chosen a number of uh, specific companies. But what's interesting is it would appear that a lot of their new features they've added um, with GPT-4 also directly apply to these companies, right? Like Be My Eyes is probably one of the big motivators for them to allow image inputs. And they already had Dolly too, which classified images. So obviously the technology is not that far off. It's not like they invented something too crazy. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what they continue to do, how this continues to change and improve in the future. But all in all, a very solid technology and uh, some serious progress they've made so far.
Thank you for listening to today's podcast episode, breaking down how AI is impacting your industry. Today's episode is sponsored by AI Box, a no-code AI app builder and marketplace, which just launched a crowdfunding campaign. If you are interested in investing in a new AI startup, you can go to republic.com slash AI dash box. I'll leave a link in the show notes as well to learn more. The minimum investment is $150 and the maximum investment is $100,000. Until next time, have a fantastic day.